0: This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's text comes from Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him to, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet Listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. One thing that's true for us all in this room, whether we're exploring Christianity for the first time or been a Christian for decades, whether we consider ourselves religious or irreligious, whether whether we've been in this church for a while or not, is that we're inundated with opportunities to serve. This bloated menu of opportunities to love and serve, whether inside and outside the church, whether with our family or our friends, whether with our coworkers or disadvantaged of our community, for a number of us, this has led to an overextension of serving or a serving for the wrong reasons. And so you might ask, can we really serve too much or for the wrong reasons? A few years ago, I had coffee with a bunch of friends of mine. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. So we met up in a neutral city because we we're scattered around the country. And it was great to get FaceTime and catch up. And my friend Drew launched into his latest dilemma— You see, he was living in a very urban environment. He wanted to give back to his community. He wanted to get connected to the the youth of his city. So he loved the idea of mentoring a kid. So he chose to be a big brother in the Big Brother program. And on paper, he loved the idea. Find an inner-city kid, be that male figure in his life. He loved movies like Coach Carter. You know, he couldn't wait to be like Samuel Jackson some young man's life. To be that strong, loving, wise, encouraging voice, maybe shave his head. He would have been cool. But then the reality set in. Drew wanted an extroverted athlete, and he got a large, awkward, clumsy, shy introvert without a shred of athletic ability. Drew was looking forward to bonding over Madden on PlayStation. Instead, he found himself trying to entertain a budding artist. Now, to Drew's credit, he tried to hang in there. He got some coaching. He got some help. He tried to figure out how to love this young man. But he was ready to pull the plug in six months, and he was letting us know that over Starbucks. Naturally, all the alarms went off around the table and we all kind of launched in with our questions. They got progressively harder as the conversation went forward. Are you sure that you've given this relationship enough time? That was a nice question. This may not be the kid you wanted, but maybe this is the kid that Jesus wants for you. Let's let's slow down a bit here. What's God trying to teach you through this young man? This is a really big deal. You've read the literature. Are you going to be yet again another male to abandon him? to reject him, to to reinforce all that which is negative in his heart. So why did you choose to be a big brother? Was it for you or for the kid? Ouch. We felt that collective ouch when that question was asked. I didn't ask it, but but we all felt that one, right? That question got him right between the eyes. He wasn't getting what he wanted out of the serving opportunity, so he was ready to pull the plug Drew was serving himself and not the kid. When I think about Drew that morning, I see myself and I see so many of you. As human beings are created to serve, there's always opportunities to serve, more opportunities to serve than time, resources, and capacity permit for any of us. And a sign that God's grace is working in our lives is an increased desire to serve. And with that increased desire, increased action that goes along with it. Yet, we have a tendency as human beings to misuse something beautiful like serving other human beings. We have a tendency to serve ourselves, and it looks like, it, in what it looks like, our sacrificial service to others. In short, we serve too much. This morning, we're going to look at two things briefly the problem of serving too much, and the solution for serving too much. The problem and the solution. Let's start with the problem of serving too much. As we jump into this passage, Look what happens. Verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, as we know from the scriptures from Luke, Jesus was going from village to village, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and performing miraculous miracles and loving his neighbors all around him. And as he did that and came upon the city of Bethany, he just had to go visit and stay with Martha and Mary. These were two close friends of Jesus and substantial supporters of his ministry. Martha was clearly the homeowner from this passage and the manager of this home, and it was her great joy to open her home to Jesus and his 12 disciples. This was clearly a great act of a hospitality and no small undertaking. Now think about this for a second. When's the last time you invited 13 grown men into your home to feed them and provide them a place to stay? And how much advance time would you need for such an undertaking? And imagine if your husband came home and said, hey, we're having 13 guys over for dinner. What would you be experiencing inside? Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So at some point, so at some point, the disciples scattered around the room. They got into listening mode and Jesus got into teaching mode and there was sweet Mary, the baby, the family, sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking it all in. In then verse 40, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Now, initially, Martha was excited to see Jesus and his merry band. She was excited to get him settled in her warm home. She was excited about her open floor plan, and she was excited about firing up the oven and preparing a meal for all 14 of them. And though the open space was conducive to her listening to Jesus, something happened. That serving took on a life of its own. Martha, as we can see from the passage, was distracted. On one hand, that's pretty understandable. Feeding 14 people is not a joke. On the other hand, she crossed a line. Distracted is better translated worried or agitated or fussy. Now let's stop for a second. If you're the loving, compassionate king in the universe and you were madly in love with Mary and Martha, and you and your tea, 12 key leaders drop by unannounced for dinner and a place to stay, what would your expectations be for that meal? I'm thinking the ancient Near Eastern equivalent to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Maybe if the person you're visiting has enough spaghetti sauce, definitely spaghetti. It's economical, you can feed a lot of people. Or, you know, you'd find the ancient Near Eastern equivalent to Four Rivers, and you'd send someone out to get enough food for 14 men, and then everyone's really happy. Regardless, the intruding guests are well aware of the strain they would be putting on the host, and they would gratefully eat anything put before them. But what about Martha? What were her expectations for this meal? What was she looking to get out of this meal? What were her desires and goals and needs for this meal? As we can see from the passage, Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha crossed the line. She went from joyfully serving her king to serving herself. Dinner went from a privilege to serve her master and her lord to something she really needed. Just look at how worked up she gets. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Literally, Martha says, Is it not a concern? Is it not a care? I really don't think she realizes what she's doing at this moment because Martha is impugning the motives of Jesus. She's clearly looking at the data from one perspective. Left me could be better translated forsake. In, in essence, Martha's saying, Jesus, I'm all alone here. You don't seem to get how hard this is. My younger sister, you know, the baby family, is just sitting around looking at you, and I'm isolated over here. I'm doing some important stuff over here, and you need to get her to help me. Martha's concerned to engage the assistance of Jesus and her plans and not to learn from his. Now, the observations Jesus makes in verse 41 about Martha are very telling. Martha, you're anxious and troubled. Inwardly, Martha's anxious, or better translated, worried. Outwardly, Martha's troubled, or better translated, bothered and upset. It's obvious to everyone in the room how did poor Martha get here How is it better for Mary to leave the feet of Jesus and help her? Why did this meal stop being about hospitality? Now Martha was serving, serving to impress, serving to prove something, serving to get some type of recognition. Martha was serving to build an identity for herself. Maybe that she was capable. Maybe she was a great cook. Maybe she was the hostess with the mostest. Martha was using this service opportunity to justify herself, to give herself worth and value and meaning. And her plan was not working. She was getting angry that it was not working. She began to worry and get anxious and troubled because her work plan was not working. Her scheme to validate herself was in shambles, and it was taking her to bad places. Now, what we can see from this passage, sin is a lot of things. But clearly we can see that sin is doing good things for the wrong reasons. Sin is using serving others for our selfish end. Sin is using good things so that we don't have to need and depend upon Jesus. Martha never inquired from Jesus what he wanted. Martha was not in step with his leading. Martha was not underneath his word. Martha was not getting her satisfaction in him. Martha was disconnected from his grace and love. Martha was serving herself. Martha's experiencing the problem of serving too much. How often do you experience the problem of serving too much? I must confess that I'm tempted to serve too much every day. It's an inherent problem with following Jesus. When he enters your life and gives you his love and grace, you want to serve Jesus out of appreciation. As opportunities begin to emerge everywhere, you take advantage of them because it feels so good and right to serve, yet it's tempting to use that serving as a means to justify yourself. Let me give you examples from my life. When I was 17 and a brand new follower of Jesus, when I went from Hindu and Jock to radical follower of Jesus, I used serving as a prominent leader in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes to build an image that I'm a serious Christian. When I was 19 and a college student at the University of North Carolina, I used running my church's middle school ministry as a 19 year old to feel like I mattered and I was a great leader. When I was 21 and still a college student, I used serving as my chapter president at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship to feel like a man, a godly man. When I was 25 I was on staff with that same church, and I used serving the college students entrusted to my care to feel like a great Christian. When I was 30 and starting a church from the ground up in my hometown, I used serving the precious little sheep that had been entrusted to me to validate myself, to prove I was better than my peers. When I was 36 years old and coaching church planners in urban India, I used serving these brave, amazing men to prove that I was really special and unique. I'm 39, and I still use my service to the church to do everything I just previously mentioned. It's sick, it's gross, it's nasty, and it needs the saving power of Jesus. I need Jesus to change my wicked heart where I use good things for my selfish ends where I use serving the sheep for my self validation it's a battle I have to fight every day cuz I serve myself I overserve I serve too much how about you how do you serve too much how do you serve yourself The real question for you is, can you answer this question and are you talking about it out loud? Because if you can't answer the question for yourself, you're in trouble and something is eating your lunch. Now here's a few warning signs of serving too much. You can see this from the passage. You're serving too much if you're worn out from all the serving you're doing. You're serving too much if you're frustrated by how few people notice how much you were doing. You're serving too much if you're really bothered when things are not going your way. You're serving too much when you see yourself as one of the good guys and you're really frustrated that Jesus isn't coming through for you and things aren't going better for you. You're serving too much when you feel like life should be easier and better and not harder and messier in the gospel. You're serving too much when you feel like you're better than most of the people or at least some of the people around you on a daily basis. You're serving too much when you get anxious doing ministry because you just want to get it right. You want to do it better. You do want to do a good job. You're serving too much when you get agitated when people don't go along with your plans. You're serving too much when you get frustrated that people are not helping you in the plans that you have. You're serving too much when you wonder why people are not going along with your plan, which is clearly a better option. You're serving too much when you're getting upset with others with your shortcomings and failures. And you're serving too much, finally, when you're more focused on the tasks related to your serving than the people. That you intended to serve. So, what do you do? This is clearly a problem: serving too much. We all suffered this problem. Thankfully, Jesus is extremely clear in his ethos in this passage, and he offers us the solution for serving too much. The solution for serving too much. Look at how Jesus responds to Martha in this passage, verse forty-one. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The the repetition of Martha, Martha is an expression of affection and concern. Jesus is not angry or frustrated or disappointed or exasperated. He actually moves towards Martha in compassion. He doesn't care that his motives have been impugned. He doesn't care that Martha called her out. Everything he says about Mary is for her, Martha. Martha. Jesus doesn't bury Martha. He doesn't come down on her, but rather he invites her to change her course of action. After connecting to her inward anxiety and her outward trouble about many things, again, serving too much, Jesus gets really clear. The man who loves parable gets really straightforward. He wants Martha to get the point. He says this, but one thing is necessary. Now, Jesus rarely does this, this is a gift. I mean, if you read through Luke, he says absolutely nothing very clear. And here he says, you only need one thing. He's giving the key to serving with joy, peace, and power. Necessary is better translated needed. Only one thing is needed for all her serving too much. So what is it? Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Now what does Martha do when Jesus makes this statement? She goes from looking very agitatedly at Jesus to looking down at Mary, and what does Martha see? What is this good portion, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? Now, Luke, the author, wants all his readers thinking about Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. It's a theme he subtly works through his books, Luke and Acts. I mean, if you look at Acts twenty-two, the end of his writing, Paul was educator trained at the feet of Gamaliel. To be at someone's feet is to be under their authority and protection and training and having their voice central in your life. But look at Luke 8. There's a man healed from a dramatic demon possession, and when he's in his right, man, where else could he be but at the feet of Jesus? Again, Luke 8, prior to this passage, Jairus, a prominent ruler of a synagogue, is falling at the feet of Jesus for the sake of his dying daughter. Save her. Help me. Luke 17, a leper is falling at the feet of Jesus. Many lepers are healed, but only one comes back. And when he's healed, he gives thanks. Where? At the feet of Jesus. And how can we forget Luke 7? There's in the home of Simon the Pharisee, there's a woman who comes into Simon's house. And amongst all the religious, feeling alienated, she's worshiping Jesus at his feet, lavishly. Beautifully. Luke is making a strong point. There's no better place to be than the feet of Jesus. The Mary chosen, the good portion is an interesting construction in the Greek. This construction can be used in the comparative, something's better, or the superlative, something is best. The NIV translated this construction as what is better. Martha, the good thing, the better thing, the best thing you can do is to choose what Mary has chosen. What has Mary chosen? Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listened to his teaching. Listened is to hear, to heed, to obey. It's continual listening. And teaching is simply the word here is logos, the word. What does it mean to continually hear and obey the words of Jesus at his feet? It's not this life of contemplation where you're an ascetic monk and you remove yourself from the world. No, there's a reason this story comes on the heels of the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is driving home a point. If you want to love lavishly like the good Samaritan, if you want to love your neighbor with great joy and great sacrifice where you give everything for their good, you cannot learn to love extravagantly unless you learn to sit at Jesus' feet. Sitting at Jesus' feet is to submit to his authority and his power and control. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is to worship Him and thank Him for His unyielding and unending lavish love and mercy. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is to hide ourselves under His protection, His direction, His voice, and beautiful identity. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is to soak in His Word and be saturated in His grace. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is to find our ultimate satisfaction in Him. It's to learn and experience that the starting place of any act of service is in his, his direction that comes through his word and by his spirit. Sitting at the feet of Jesus to see that God was crushed for all our sins on the cross, the crushing, the destruction that we deserve. Sitting at the feet of Jesus to see that God was resurrected from the grave and has victory over the sin and death that consumes us. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is to see that God is the author and perfecter of our salvation and the man who begun something in our soul and life will not, he will not rest until that work is finished. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, see that God, who is madly in love with us, will not relentlessly work in our lives until we are safely with him in the new heavens and new earth. Jesus could not be more clear. The best place for any disciple is to be at the feet of Jesus. It is our highest form of service to him, and it's the starting place of life-giving, sacrificial service for him. You see, sitting at the feet of Jesus, we see the one who freely chose to die for us to cancel the penalty of sin in our lives. We see the one who freely gave us his Holy Spirit with the Father to to apply all the beautiful work of the cross in our life and to cancel the power of sin in our life and to wash away in a battle against the presence of sin in our life. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, we see the one who dresses us in his righteousness, his dignity, his worth, his beauty, his brilliance, and he gives it all to us freely and beautifully. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, we see the one who gives us all his rights, all his privileges he makes us a co-heir a fellow sibling of our heavenly father he makes us a beloved son and daughter of his father and where we get everything because when we sit at the feet of jesus we see that jesus gives us everything of his and it costs us absolutely nothing in the same way it was not taken from mary It was not seized from Mary. Martha could not pry Jesus away from his feet because that's where he wants his precious little lambs. This gospel will not be seized and taken from us. It's ours. It's ours forever. I don't know about you, but I'm worn out. I'm troubled. I'm anxious from serving too much. And like you, I need rest beautiful rest at the feet of Jesus. This week, let's help each other sit at the feet of Jesus and enjoy and experience and serve out of his loving presence. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know what it means to live out of anxiety and trouble, being agitated and fussy, We know what it means to be serving too much and serving ourselves and using this world to validate ourselves. And Father, what we long to know more and more, deeper and increasingly, is what it means to sit at your feet. Father, would you give us the faith and the repentance and obedience to be like Mary and choose the better option, to choose to be underneath your word and protection and grace and hope and peace. And Father, would you give us eyes to see Jesus as we sit at his feet, to see the one who loves us, the one who watches over us, the one who prays for us, the one who has made us righteous, the one who will make us whole, the one who will share his glory with us, that we may have our home there, that we might find our refuge there, that we might praise his love, that we might actually value his love better than life itself and find ourselves under the protection of his wings. Father, we beg you to do this for us. we may have your peace and your power and your joy and your glory that comes with your kingdom and that we might live out of that and serve this broken world. We pray this in your blessed name, Jesus. Amen.